The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of Retropop. You're home for bi-weekly pop culture every other week right here on the network at BICBP-radio.com. My name is Matt Johnson, one of your hosts alongside me, my main man, my brother from another mother, Mr. Johnny Townsend. Johnny, happy uh, happy Sunday to you or whatever day of the week y'all, wink, y'all are listening wink. to. Wink, wink. Or Earth uh, Day. Earth Day. Yes. <laughs> Happy whatever day. You're, Which really fits what we're talking about today. It certainly that does. We're recording this on, uh, this is breaking kayfabe, but we're recording this on Earth Day. And uh, our uh, subject matter very much uh, fits in that category. Uh, Matt, I'm going to, uh, I've just bought this house and it's really nice, but uh, I just got this government notice that says I got to get out. Got <laughs> to get out. Oh yes, you do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this this thing is uh, it's it's surreal. It's I can't say it's personal, but it's it's interesting because uh, this this what we're talking about today is something that you know I, I live, you know I grew up five minutes away from. I currently live fifteen minutes away from. And is that, is that not wild that me and you both? Because during my did you knows I'm going to be talking about one really close to me that i've literally known my entire life like i've gone through this place thousands of times and you got one too where you were it's pretty wild yeah especially when you realize the magnitude of it like how big it's like ah it's it's niagara falls we're just known for a waterfall and our population used to be really big almost Um, canada almost pretty we're canada (laughs) well hey around these parts canada is america's hat um yep. that's that's what we that's what we say around here but the canadian side is a lot better um but yeah today we we're going to talk about love canal um which is the most ironic name in ever but there is good reason for it what a uh, wild name too why right, love canal love when canal. you first said you want to do love canal and that's all you said i was like isn't that like one of those rides out of <laughs> At like a theme park or something, oh, love canal. <laughs> you get, get in like a canoe with your uh, with your significant other. They go through a little canal together. Oh, it was, <laughs> yeah, there was none of that. Definitely none of that happening here. So, um, so let's hop into it. I can't wait to tell my personal story with it, and uh, well, let's jump into the our personal histories with the love canal. <laughs> From 1947 until 1952, the Hooker Chemical Company used the Love Canal section of Niagara Falls as a dumping site for toxic waste. President Carter declared a state of emergency today in the Love Canal area of New York's Niagara Falls, where toxic chemicals were discovered oozing from the ground. That discovery in a Niagara Falls neighborhood triggered an environmental battle that played out on national television and became one of the most iconic in U.S. history. We are- 
Johnny, I figured because you're you're new to this this subject, um, we'll start off with you with this one. Um, through your research for this episode, what was your kind of take of of it all without giving anything away? Yeah, I wasn't super. I I feel like I had heard of it just because I'm very interested in odd, weird history. I mean, I, I do history creeps, and that's kind of the basis of that, because I'm just very fascinated by the weird, strange, odd, creepy things in our history. Right. And I've definitely gone on a, uh, gone into the rabbit hole, as they say, looking into like abandoned places and stuff like that. Heck, one of my current favorite shows to watch is that, um, what's it called? Abandoned uh, Mysteries of the Abandoned, uh, where like they just get around talking about all these things that, in places that are amended now and just kind of give you the history of them. I just find it really fascinating. So, uh, I mean, even on history creeps, we have an episode about Centralia, which is in Pennsylvania, uh, which is a place. It's a whole town. Well, it used to be a town that literally underneath it caught on fire. Yeah. Uh, like decades ago and is on fire to this day. Uh, and they think will be on fire for another hun- couple hundreds of years. So nobody can live there now because it's right. just not healthy and it's you just can't do it. And on top of that, uh, the ground is unstable. It could collapse underneath you. You just don't know. That's... I mean, a boy, a poor little boy almost lost his life because uh, he was out in his backyard or something like that. And it just gave out. Uh, luckily, he ended up being saved. But um, so that's that's I mean, that's strange. And of course, you go out west and you got all these places that sprung up when we had the gold rush or when we had all those different things now that are just left to time right and man just just the fact that these places are 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 abandoned and it just makes them creepy but the thing about love canal that kind of sets it apart a little bit is and i didn't dive too deep into it because i like to learn and i wanted to learn from uh from you so i didn't want to dive too deep into it so i only got like the very basic basics of it um but what's fascinating about it to me is just the what a, what corporations and this is still to this day think they can get away with mm-hmm. <laughs> and how it affects way more than just uh, their bottom lines and affects like just innocent people for sure um and you're gonna hear you know, everybody's gonna hear about how i mean just innocent everybody was that 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 fell for this uh you know t- on this episode this is um sorry i'm trying to find a way for my screen not to lock out um yeah so as far as like my from where i learned it from uh my dad used to take myself and my sister on bike rides all the time and love canal was a very short short bike right away you know we we take like lengthy one like on a saturday we had nothing to do okay come on kids we're gonna go for a bike ride and we're riding through it and he's he actually like yeah it was probably like seven she was probably five it was like seven or eight and uh yeah we're riding through and i'm like what's uh, like it just looked like something looked off about this place (laughs) because there's vacant lots there's trees like in the back, like a line, like in the backyard. There's indentations where driveways used to be, like in the curb. 
but just something just felt really weird. And he, he, ex- he explained it to me. I mean, I, I don't remember the way he explained it perfectly, but he said that, you know, there, there used to be this gigantic neighborhood with over 700 families, um, probably four streets four like, I mean, lengthy streets, you know, full of just people. And they found a bunch of chemicals. They, he, he put it simply because, I mean, I was seven or eight and I'm not going to comprehend it. But it always stuck with me that we got to ride through that. I'm like, it, and that's kind of where my my excitement of abandonment, you know, kind of came from abandoned buildings, uh, abandoned just areas, you know, just places where life used to be like, you know, just so full. And, you know, he's like, yeah, yeah that's, they, that's oh, probably for that's probably for both of us. Right. Because yeah. we both grew up near these places that were just left like they're just there and you know especially if you discover this out well i think at any age but if you discover these places when you're young like it just lights into you this in fact this fascination with with this like i wanted to know all the history about this place right correct because uh i'm assuming the same thing happens for you but the the place down here um pretty much became folklore right like there's a lot of stuff you'll hear like uh you know just ridiculous things uh, that you know can't possibly be true, but people just keep passing these tales down. Right. Yeah, and this is like that first like big, just big thing. Like I, I just remember hearing about about Niagara Falls. Yeah, we had the cool waterfall and stuff, but no, nah, this is this is like home to like something really, really bad. Uh, you know, as a kid, that's the way you're perceiving it. So um, it always, it always just always stuck with me. It always stuck with me. And as I got older, I loved digging into it. Every chance I got on a school project. You know, I would take a look and watch videos and stuff. And even in the last few weeks, I've been watching like tons of YouTube videos. I've been working like overnight shifts and I just listen, listen, listen. I'm just soaking up. I'm always soaking up something new, which is which is pretty amazing. You're always seeing something new. But um, but yeah, throughout my, you know, throughout growing up and stuff, we used to hang out that way. It said, you know, get a get in a car, ride through it, um, walk through it, hang out back there. Uh, there's actually and we'll get into this a little bit later. There's actually not in the, the, the hottest of spots, but uh, there's a new neighborhood there. <laughs> uh, it's a little, it's a little, I mean, it was, it was one of the effect affected areas, but it was the, one of the least like affected areas. And after cleanup and stuff, they, you know, it was it, the whole controversial thing. It's a very nice neighborhood, um, at least on paper, but uh but yeah, so it's been, always been one of those things that have kind of dominated my like life and interest. And when I first got a, uh, a camera, I, I went over and I just, I was like, man, what can I, you know, what, I, I know there's not a whole lot here, but what can I do with this? And they have, you know, old buildings and, um, you know, there's, there's some just old buildings from like the old home, homeowners association and just stuff like that, just where people grouped together and met uh, about certain things. Um, I actually, I, when I was working for a labor union, I actually got to go on the, the dump, the new dump site, the new capped off dump site. And I had to put a sign up and it was, oh man, I got the chills. Like I was excited, but I got the chills kind of just being there and just kind of, I'm like, wow, I'm like standing on top of it. Gross history, but history nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that's really all I could say. Like I said, just, just tons and tons of research. Loved it. Um, you know, loved learning about it. I know it's not a happy time in the city of Niagara Falls. For the city of Niagara Falls, it's a giant black eye, uh, the city of Niagara Falls, which, um, you know, before this kind of happened, their population was, I was actually looking in 19, uh, 
1950, there's the census had us had Niagara Falls at over 101,000 people. Um, and Love Canal, plus a lot of other things, jobs closing and stuff, the population's at 48,000 right now as of 2020. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's just, it's one of those things, but, uh, but yeah, that's my personal history with it. Let's hop into uh, the actual history of Love Canal. In the spring of 1978, a Niagara Falls housewife read a newspaper story about her neighborhood known as Love Canal. It described 20,000 tons of chemicals buried three blocks from my home, that these were very toxic chemicals. And I was just in shock. The chemicals had been dumped in an old canal by the Hooker Chemical Company in the 1940s and early 1950s, and then buried. Now, they were leaking into some of the homes closest to the canal. For several years, chemicals have been seeping into the basements of a number of houses, including this one. The evidence is always there. There was a report that talked about the different chemicals getting into people's homes, getting into their gardens, their backyards. The people that were living there were smelling these odors in their basements. Many of the children claimed that they had skin rashes. And before you know... All right, so the reason that uh, Love Canal is called Love Canal, uh, in excuse me, 1890, a man who was a big-time entrepreneur, he was, you know, uh, his name was William T. Love. That's, that's what his name was. And... Um, he had this ambitions. He it was the ambition to be like an urban planner, urban city designer. He had very futuristic intentions. Um, he planned a, a community alongside Niagara Falls or in that area, in the area where Love Canal obviously became, uh, but alongside the shores of Lake Ontario that can house, you know, hundred million people and beautiful parks. And there's this perfect paradise. And he was uh, the project. It was going to be called Model City New York, and he wanted to develop this thing and take it elsewhere. Now there's lots of you know famous urban planners. Robert Moses, I think, is one of them. Uh, we actually have a parkway in Niagara Falls dedicated to Robert Moses, and um, that became part of an issue with Love Canal as well. But uh, urban planning was a big thing, and especially at the turn of the century when you know everybody's looking for the newest you know ideas, um, new ways to to you know, capitalize on, on technology, energy, stuff like that. So he, you know, he started talking to sponsors, talking to um, a, a, a bunch of places. But what he wanted to do with this area is he wanted to create a canal where ships can pass between um, Lake, or excuse me, Lake Ontario. Um, I think it was Lake Ontario and Lake Erie. But anyways, they wanted to bypass the actual Niagara Falls somehow. Um and he met with all these, all these companies are all for it. So, you know, you can, all these companies are like, yeah, that's great. You know, you, you create this, this paradise alongside this waterway essentially. And, you know, it, shipping, like it, all that stuff, uh, exports, imports, all this stuff is not really a problem. Uh, but things started to kind of go not so good. Uh, the panic in the 1893 happened and a bunch of investors started to pull out so he was losing money quick and um, another panic in 1907 just kind of put the nail in the coffin for this. He ran out of money and yeah. And of course, I think I read something too about Nikola Tesla. Um, basically, I think what another thing that love was trying to develop was a way to just transport 
energy somehow. And Tesla created some, I forgot what it's called. Alternating current, I believe is the phrase, um, as well as the idea of like hydroelectric power, which used like the power of like the falls to, to generate energy and such. And it just, it, it kind of just, that also didn't help his plan, but, um, but yeah, he lost all funds, all, lost all money. And he, uh, let's see, it was 50 feet. Uh, the canal was um, 50 feet wide and 40 feet deep. Um, and it stretched northward towards the, uh, or excuse me, from the Niagara River. So this is where the canal is. Um, and of course, because he lost his money, and I don't really hear too much about him after that, but um, the site was put up for auction. He couldn't he couldn't do anything with it. City of Niagara Falls used it as a, uh, as a municipal landfill. So, you know, garbage collection, stuff like that, they dumped in that. And they also shared it with a place called Hooker Chemical, uh, which is now called Occidental Chemical. Um, they occidental. are co- Occidental. Yeah, not accidental. Occidental. Yeah, they have a lot oh, of accidents. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I've actually worked at that plant before. They are closing down. Um, fine, like fine, like the plant's closing down. It's like a it's a huge loss. But um, it, it was one of the, the last like big factories around here in, in in Niagara Falls that kept a lot of people employed. But um, but they use part of it as a dump site for chemical refuse, um, all sorts of stuff. Uh, and we're going to get into some of the chemicals in the Matt stats portion, but it is a considerable amount uh, of chemicals that were used that were dumped there. Eventually Niagara Falls stopped using it as a landfill. Um, and yeah, by the end of, let's see. Yeah. I think it was about 1947. Um, yeah, 1947 Hooker just had it and just piled on. To, no, 1948, excuse me. Niagara Falls stopped using it as a landfill. Hooker Chemical was the only user of the site, and they just kept putting stuff, putting stuff, putting stuff. It got too full. They tried to expand it a little bit. Um, it was, yeah, it ended up being a 16 acre landfill. Um, no big deal. No big deal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 10 years of dumping chemicals in the spot, and um, some of the stuff caustics, alkalines, fatty acids, and chlorinated hydrocarbons. Um, I'll give you the guys the numbers again in the mad stats portion, but um, they piled onto this thing and they capped it off. There was like a clay seal to prevent leakage and whatever uh, life, life will find a way in a sense happen. And vegetation started to grow over top of it. Uh, here's where things get weird though. So it was filled up. They had no more usage for it, but Niagara Falls is experiencing a boom in population. Factories were sprouting up. Um, this is where the, this is the incline of Niagara Falls population right here. Cause it's still a relatively like a not newer city, uh, at this point, but, um, but yeah, there's a big, a lot of jobs coming here. A lot of, a lot of huge factory jobs. So the Niagara Falls City School District was looking for a place to put new schools. And they looked at, they talked to this hooker chemical. And uh, yeah, hooker's like, okay, you know, here's the land. But I'm, I'm warning, they, they didn't, I don't know if they express, express what they wanted to do with the land. Um, I'm not quite sure exactly, but hooker warned them you know, to, I guess, move liability uh, from them in a sense. Uh, he's like, hey, you shouldn't build a school on this part. 
this this respective area. But um, they sold it to Niagara Falls, the city school district, for a dollar, one dollar, just to have, just is- to have a, a, a you know just to, just for transaction sake for paper trail. Yeah, that's pretty wild. You know, uh, that's really cheap for a hooker. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, well, hey, inflation, inflation has not helped the cost of hookers. Um, I, I am not proud of that. <laughs> I just want the record to be shown. <laughs> but, but yeah, so they they built it, and then because of the population boom, uh, there needed to be places where people lived. So Niagara Falls sold off what they didn't use for the 99th Street School, and developmental places came in who had no idea what was going on, what was underneath. And they started building rows and rows and rows of neighborhoods and just kept expanding and expanding, expanding. And, uh, you know, people, working class people came to the city. They, they stretched outward. They, you know, expanded the horizons, really nice neighborhood and beautiful neighborhoods at the time, you know, where they, these, you know, well, you got to think about it too. If they're building a school there, that in itself will be like, Oh, people who have families, right. You're like, Oh, well, um, there's a brand new school. I'm assuming it's going to be like one, a really nice one. To walking new. distance. Yeah, absolutely. Walking distance. Uh, all these things are positives and your job is in the area. I mean, this is really setting up. So I totally understand these other companies like building houses there. Like it just makes sense. Right. Right. A hundred percent. And it's enticing. It's, it's enticing. Like I said, it's a, it's a nice part of town and it it's, it's relatively affordable too. Um, it you could you could afford you know to to buy a house at a at a regular you know one 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 uh what's the phrasing but but one person income like you, you you'd be yeah. okay with it um you'd be all right with that but yeah it's just, so 1957 the, the city started uh developing sewers and starting building um you know sewer houses uh but because of this construction of these sewer lines, as well as the construction that Robin Rose's Parkway, uh, they drilled into the clay cap that was covering of the chemicals. Of course they did. Yes. Um, to build water lines. So now the toxic chemicals that were encased there for, I mean, not a very long time, which is, you know, the craziest thing about, you know, five years maybe at this point maybe six years seven uh they're they have a pathway to see right the path of least resistance yeah well it doesn't Um, always it it never fails like you can have a giant yard and for some reason you got to dig something up it's there's a 99 percent chance despite how big your yard is you're going to hit some cable that you didn't know that was buried there that you need Correct. Yeah, that's why they tell you to call the, the what's we have like a one eight hundred dig number or something like that around yeah. here. Uh, call before you dig. But um, but yeah. So here's the thing too: the land where the homes were being built was not part of the agreement between the school board and Hooker Chemical. So yeah. So again, none of the residents absolutely knew. Um, they I guess they found a way around it, and there's a couple wet winters. But, uh, you know, throughout the 1960s, people were, you know, there's like, you know, it, the canal is starting to like pool up a little bit too. Not like with, with just straight up chemicals, there's, um, you know, rainwater and stuff and kids, you know, kids go and play in puddles. That's a kid's thing to do. Yeah. Um, 
but they would come home with like burns on their skin and and such. These are just starting to think that they would notice like puddles of like oil or color liquids in their yards or basements. That these are some of the things that they that they started to uh doesn't does this feel like uh that Simpsons episode? I think it's the early Simpsons where the you know Mr. Burns is dumping chemicals into the lake, and all of a sudden this fish jumps in, he jumps out, and he's got an extra eyeball. Yes. Like three eyes. <laughs> yeah. It's a hundred percent like that. A hundred percent like that. It's 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 crazy like simpsons you know uh if if they were around way back when they would probably call, say that matt groaning uh predicted that too it's 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 bad um yeah so by the by 1976 the neighborhood's well established is doing really really well for itself 800 houses and 240 low-income apartments were constructed in this neighborhood so uh, a considerable amount. And there were 410 children uh, in attending 99th Street School by night, during 1978. So it's, it's a big elementary school. Very big. Um, but yeah, so now things were starting to happen. Uh, residents were finding black fluid, you know, that flowed out of the, you know, out of that Love Canal area. But they, they were finding it in the sub pumps. Uh, I mean, it's, it's like the venom goo like it's gross and and they'd find it in their yards public playgrounds and um it didn't help in 1977 we had a really famous blizzard here they call it just the blizzard of 77 and it dumped about it dumped about four to i mean a considerable amount of snow like i remember my dad talking about it. he said he was like off of school for a week that's how massive it was. But when all this stuff melted and all the clay caps were exposed, all the rainwater went in and pushed the chemicals up. So 1978, people were finding their ground breaking up in their backyards and chemical drums were coming up through their backyards. Like it's gross. And these are people too. You got to keep in mind, there's a lot of you know folks who did home gardens in their backyard so they had just been eating straight from these oh. these chemicals like it's, it's sickening the more you just hear about yeah. it mm. um amongst other stuff too I, I i was listening to one of the videos that i had sent you and there's it was like a 15 house block and nine of them at least one person in the household had cancer yeah you know which is getting sick yep getting sick so anyways to, to again we'll read through some of the chemicals the amount of chemicals later on but um, but they started testing. So two two reporters for the Niagara Falls Gazette, uh, David Pollock and David Russell, they were testing sub pumps near Love Canal and found all toxic chemicals by them. And it kind of went away. They published a, a report in October 1976 and November of 76. And the story kind of away, it kind of went away. And then um, after that, after that storm, after things started going, they uh another guy by the name of Michael Brown, he revived the story, started interviewing people and it just took off from there. Uh, a woman by the name of Lois Gibbs, who's probably one of the, the, the most famous activists from all this, she took a lead and she created the love, love canal homeowners association. And there was a lot of protesting, uh, a lot of protesting, a lot of just trying to get people to voice their stuff, you know, contact with then president Jimmy Carter, the EPA, New York state governor, um, you know, just the, the county, the, the city. And it was just this massive uphill battle. Um, 
and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Um, I, th- I believe according to the timeline, um, you know, one of the first things that they have to do in some testing, like, okay, pregnant women and children under two had to leave the area immediately. So they got them out of the area, but that was like, they, 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 they created like rings. They created, created like rings of how bad, like, okay, ring one, you're, you gotta go. You gotta go. You gotta move out. Your house is done. Your house is taken care of. You're paid for You're reimbursed. You gotta go. One of those type of deals. They established these like these, yeah, these rings and yeah, it just got worse. And it took two years essentially with a lot of protests, emergency declarations, a lot of back and forth between residents and such to get to, um, you know, for these families to, 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 to get out and, and move out and get their proper, you know, get settled. All they wanted, they just wanted to be paid for what they, you know, what they were losing and to move out so they can go find a home elsewhere. All they wanted to do. Well, most of them, most of them, you're right. There are still a couple residents left who didn't see a problem. They didn't experience anything or they did. They just didn't want to move. Because of, you know, some people, there was their forever home. They had moved. One lady mentioned that they, she had moved like 15 times. And uh, this was her last stop. This was the last time. She's like, I'm not moving again. again. I'm not doing it again. So, um, so yeah, I just, it just took a long time. Eventually all the rings, you know, moved out, but seeing the videos was, 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 was really surreal. Uh, you know, people just straight up abandoning their homes, like with couches and such in it. And, you know, in Niagara Falls, like trying to like the, the city trying to like re put houses after like they were like, like repopulate these houses that they bought, you know, it, it was a huge loss on their end, but it's, you know, it, it, the funds have to come from somewhere. You can't leave these people there. You can't leave them out to dry. Essentially they have to go, but yeah, people, straight up pack, packed their cars and just left and stayed in hotels. And um, like uh, they left a lot of belongings. Some people left a lot of belongings. Those houses were abandoned for at least, at least four to five years. In some instances where people just got up and just left a lot of their belongings, couches, um, you know, appliances. And there was a lot of looting in the area. So some people who were going away to, you know, just kind of get away from the chemicals, and eventually maybe come back once they got their, you know, money and stuff to, to, to actually do a proper move out. You know, they come home and they find their windows broken in and, and just stuff gone. It was it was just a really low, low point in Niagara Falls. But um, but eventually, you know, they 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 did it to, just to put this the story simply because we could I can go on for hours. This this stuff absolutely fascinates me. But uh but eventually everybody kind of got their settlement. A lot of people moved out. And then in 1984, I believe it was 1984, that uh, the houses started to get demolished. So all those houses that have been sl- slowly and steadily being abandoned from 1978 on um, were knocked down. We're starting to be knocked down. 80, actually, was it 82? Sorry, 82, June 17th of 82. They did a first batch and they did, you know, yeah. So they kept knocking them down. But 
uh, it's, it's really tragic, but right now, yeah, the area sits abandoned. There's no houses. Um, oh, excuse me. There's like two or three houses. Uh, and there's this fenced in area where all the chemicals have been re, you know, recapped, so to speak, clay capped and, and covered and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's a scary thing. And there's a, so much, uh, there's, there's so much research online. I actually found a really nice article. There, there's a timeline here I have from research.lib.buffalo.edu. And also the, uh, was this, um, health.newyork.gov has a, has an article about it too, with a lot of like testing stuff, like numbers, like how, what, what chemicals they found in these houses. But um, I mean, just to put it simply, like some of the chemicals that were found underground were like dioxin, benzene. Um, I was taught that if a spoonful of dioxin got into, it's either dioxin or benzene, one of the two, but if a spoonful of one of those got into a water reservoir, like a giant water reservoir, the reservoir is trash. Like that's how toxic yeah. these things are. Um, and yeah, people were, you know, the miscarriages and, you know, Birth, so many birth defects you know people had yeah, so many it birth ended up defects. changing laws too um yep. you know originally the that the hooker company kind of got away with it originally in a sense you know, for a little they, while yeah yeah they sold you know the whole thing for a whole dollar and that was way more to kind of get away from it and um but you know the whole time obviously they knew what was under there as all these houses were being built uh, i would even think some of the people who built the school probably had an idea to and nobody really said anything as these houses are being built because people are making money right right and uh, that's what makes the world go around sadly but eventually um uh, but by selling the land to the school for like a dollar in a way it sort of uh absolved the hooker company from uh, having responsibility at the beginning but then i think i read somewhere where the law changed because of this uh, to where, like, the guess what? We we know, <laughs> uh, we know it's your fault. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Th- there's it, you you put it there, right? And yeah, it, it's 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 crazy. It, it really is surreal. Um, you know, when you look through it, but I mean, just all those lives, those innocent lives, like people. I, I know, pe- you know, I don't know, but you know, just watching the videos and hearing like these mothers who are all teary eyed because their youngest child was like a stillborn. Or you know that it was oh, a stillborn yeah. in birth and and kids dying like really really young and and they you know what I mean they they were set up for failure right out of the get go yeah and and just the process of moving I mean just by yourself is a is is a hardship but you know moving with the actual family you know uh, with children moving them is not easy no it's a big ordeal and it's a major life event and. Yeah. To basically move there and just be like, you know, a couple of years later, having the the rug pulled out from under you, so to speak, uh, man, that has to be hard. Even if you are getting reimbursed. Right. You know, that's just the emotional major, toll. I mean, yeah. these people still have to go to work. Some of them, you know, throughout all this to pay to, to, to pay for it. And it was a big, uh, you know, this is a big like female, like lead driven thing. Uh, hooker chemical occidental uh they employed a lot of the males in the city so a lot of them were afraid to speak out because of job stuff yeah so it was a very you know female house you know housewife um homemaker in a sense uh driven protest and uh yeah it was i mean it was 
it, you know, these kids got to go to school. You, you're sending your kid to school and you know that the play, like the places like, I mean, I would freak out if, you know, I wake up one day and there's just chemical drums just sitting in my backyard, just breaking through yes. the ground or yeah. like the playground. Right. Um, and it's just, you know, they're taking my kids to the playground and there's chemicals coming out of the ground. It's, it's horrid. It's, it's, yeah. I, I couldn't even imagine living through it. It's a very grim period, but um, I, I do remember my mom telling me she went to like a graduation party or some kind of birthday party there, you know, well before, you know, all the shit kind of hit the fan in the late seventies, but you know, it just, you know, it's just, it's got an eerie feeling to it, an eerie vibe, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, just uh, not miscommunication, but just corporate. I don't even know how to describe it, but it's sad that, you know, all these people's lives were, were changed. 700 families. It's, it's corporate greed. You know, it's, it was probably way cheaper for them to just dump that stuff there than right. to dispose of it in, in a proper way. Right. It's way cheaper to do that. And how many companies have caused their own downfall because of corporate greed, you know? Correct. I mean, look at Netflix right now. We're kind of loud. Yeah, that's a good point. It's <laughs> a good point. Um, so yeah, but yeah, where it currently stands, they there's some aspects, some of the outer rings of the former Love Canal. That there's new homes put on them. The EPA says they're the safest homes in America you could possibly live at because of the frequent testing. They do test there often and all the time uh but they renamed the neighborhood black creek uh instead of instead of love canal they kind (laughs) of just changed some just change the appeal of it uh get people in and like they're really beautiful homes but uh, this is probably what color they changed the creeks to uh, there is a very dirty creek not too far away from there yeah but uh you know it just 10 years ago i think they found more stuff they, 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 somebody was looking down a su- old sewer grate and they found more barrels. Uh, it never hit quite the massive panic that Love Canal did back in the 70s, but you know, they're like, okay, there's some stuff and whatever. They went and cleaned it up, but who knows if it's 100% cleaned up? You know, the Niagara Falls, the city was really quick to try and get families in there to start paying taxes and, and sell the property, sell property back that they, you know, that they had to reimburse people for. Who knows? Um, it's, but it's a, it's an eyesore. It's a it's a bad hit on, on you know what what Niagara Falls once was. But um, whew, I'm long winded, a little long winded. Um, <laughs> but all right, let's uh, let's head on over to Matt's stats. There have been instances of birth defects and miscarriages among neighborhood families. The state had been testing the neighborhood's air, soil, and groundwater and made an announcement for the homes closest to the canal. The New York State Health Department recommended that pregnant women and children under the age of two immediately move out of the area. How many chemicals have been identified as being underground here? So far, we know of 88 specific chemicals that that have been identified. And of those 88, how many are suspected of causing cancer? I think the number is 11. You could see the fear on some of their faces today as men, women, and children gathered for blood tests to determine whether those here have developed abnormalities. I am really, really afraid. Uh, We have decided we're going to get out one way or another. But right now, you know, you just can't jump and where are we going to go? We are a working class community. We didn't have money to just up and move and abandon our house. 
So we organized the Love Canal Homeowner Association, which was all of our neighbors. Lois Gibbs was trying to. All right. So we got a lot of numbers to work with here. I'll try and go through them um, as best as I as best as I possibly can. Um, so there was 200 chemicals found underneath Love Canal in the in the cap. Only 100 of them have been identified to this day. And <laughs> that's that in itself is creepy and scary, isn't it? And 13 <laughs> of them are are known cancer causing agents. So, yeah. So there's that. Um, let's see. Yeah, as we said, more than 700 families uh, were eventually moved. You know, lived there. You know, went to school there. Went to came and went from work there, and were eventually moved out. Um, Let's see how, let's see, October 31st, Halloween uh, in 1979, there was about 800 lawsuits against Hooker Chemical from, from the different families. Um, a federal report says about one in 10 people, uh, this is November 1979 as well, at the, this is the height of everything, about one in 10 people um, contracted cancer in, in the Love Canal region, which is... Uh, which is pretty crazy. I had a bunch of other numbers too. I don't know where they went to. Um, yeah, some of the chemicals found in Love Canal. I had the list. Where to go? Clean this up. Okay, so uh, benzene. Yeah, a lot of different forms of benzene: carbon tetrachloride, chlorobenzene, chloroform. Chlorotoluene, that stuff's gross. Uh, dichlorobenzene, there's just some very complicated names here. Um, straight up toluene, I've actually used that product before too. It's very, very gross. Um, a lot of chemicals, so to speak, as, as I was basically saying. Um, so chloroform is found uh, in 23, 23 of the houses. 23 of the 26% of total houses sampled. Benzene was pretty high. These are seven of the highest, highest ones. Chloroform, benzene, tri trichlorothene, toluene, uh, tetrachlor. Jesus Christ. I'm not going to, we can't do names as it is, but um, <laughs> significant numbers in it. And <laughs> better you try than me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's quite a, it's a, it's a significant amount. Um, I was going to run through them, but obviously I'm having pronunciation issues. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, um, bunch of stuff you don't want to get on divulge in, but again, you can, you, you can, you know, you, you, there's plenty of research out there, uh, but there's a lot of numbers that come in, especially this, the stillborn, you know, with the, when it comes to the stillborns and, and, and such, uh, yeah, it, a lot of just so much heartache, so much heartache. So. Let's head on over to Johnny's Did You Know. The media was to be their voice. We Would you please tell me? Do I let my three-year-old stay? New York Governor Hugh Carey ordered the state to buy the first two rows of homes along the canal, and those residents moved out. But Lois Gibbs and some 700 other families living outside the evacuated area were told they were not in imminent danger. They put up a fence, 
And every time I went in and out of the driveway, I seen the fence, and I was told that people on that side of the fence had to leave and I had to stay, <laughs> which didn't make sense to me at, at all. Over the next two years, some of the remaining homeowners continued to battle for relocation. I figured for this one, I would give a like a little mini history lesson of the abandoned town near me that I've brought up multiple times now. Um, it's called Henry River Mill Village is the name of the place. Um, it's uh, it's about the reason I'm not going to give the whole location because I honestly live very close to it. <laughs> and um, but uh, it's uh, actually right. In, it's a beautiful area. It's right next to uh, Henry River, which is a pretty major river for this area. Um, there's a dam there and. Um, like it's very important to this area, right? So, um, because just like Love Canal, uh, water was a major deal for this place. Uh, that's kind of what got it started since the 1860s. Um, you know, this area was known for uh, hydroelectric power, for water power, uh, for water powering stuff. And Henry River Mill Village would get built around 1905. It would kind of start there. In the early 1900s, the Rudisil and uh, Albert Hilt uh, families would get together. They were really prominent families, and they would establish the town. Uh, just side note, uh, those are still pretty big families in this area. I went to school with a couple Rudisils. So, um, you know, that's they're still still here today. Uh, but they, they uh, started this company, the Henry River Manufacturing Company. They were a cotton yarn manufacturer. Uh, North Carolina and a lot of the areas around here in the 1900s uh, that this, you know, this uh, on through like 1990s, I would say, really well known for textiles. That was like their major thing here. Okay. And uh, pretty much everybody, if you've been allowed to that and you had a job, I guarantee you, or you, or you know somebody who worked in a furniture company, like it just never fails. I worked in one. I painted furniture for quite a while. Uh, not my, uh, nothing. It's, it's not fun. <laughs> No, I can't imagine it would be. Yeah, but uh, uh, so uh, they built this company. And around this time, a lot of times, and this is not the only place where this happens, if you build a company, uh, you kind of also build a little town around it, right? Uh, you're going to hire these people. They're going to come there. They're going to move in. And a little town was established right next to it. Uh, that And um, during its heyday, the village had about 35 worker houses it had a two-story boarding house, uh, a bridge, which is still there today, um, a company store, which is still standing today. And actually, it's the building you see the most during Hunger Games. It's the building that PETA, I believe, stands in front of. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, that's That was the original company store. Uh, a power-producing dam, which is still there, and a, and a three-story brick building, and that's where they actually produced the yarn. Um, what would happen with the company store it would be like the hub of the whole comp of the area. That's literally where you would go for everything. It's where you would go for get togethers. It's where you go to get supplies and groceries and, oh, and anything you needed. That's where you went to get it. Uh, so you honestly, you really didn't even, if, unless you just wanted to get away, you didn't even have to leave the area really ever. You that sounds walk. very utopian, like in, yeah. in a way, like how like William T. Love was, uh, you know, kind of planning his model city. That's surreal. Yeah. And it's a really nice area. Like I said, it's right there next to the river. Um, it's very uh, forested, too. Like today, 
it, it kind of winds up the road. Obviously, it's a more modern road now, but it, it winds up through up a hill, and there's like trees on each side. And it's almost feels like you're going in a tunnel, how these trees have grown up. Right. And it's just a beautiful area. Uh, by the 1960s, the company had actually tripled its production. It was a major player when it came to yarn production and stuff. However, the as as this area also knows, textile industry is a, a complicated mistress, as in she uh, will hold you and keep you warm, and then all of a sudden she's just going to leave you on the side of the curb. So uh, basically got too big too fast. Yes, yes. And textiles, uh, the industry there, like, has um, ups and downs, major ones, major ones. Right. So while they're doing really good during the boon and everybody's enjoying success, uh, all it takes is for it to just fall out. And then all of a sudden that just changes everything. Right. Um, side note, uh, there was uh, just a, like, if you worked in the, uh, at the village, if you worked there during the, I think it was the sixties, uh, you made a dollar an hour. And of course it wow. was, uh, uh, during World War II, it was mostly women who worked there, and um, uh, you know because most of the men were off to war. Uh, so this was a very important area. Um, of course, by the 1960s, like I said, the industry went down, and the mill really slowed down to basically it was almost shut down for the most part uh, until the 1970s when uh, a Wade Shepherd would buy the whole property. And they kind of try to keep it going, right? Like, uh, they, you know, obviously, if you're going to buy someplace, you want to make some money from it. It's going to make sense. This is not a small area. I forgot what the, uh, how many yards it is, but it's quite a bit. Um, it's quite a lot. Uh, in 1977, however, and this is what really ultimately changed things. The main mill building did burn down, like I said before, but it was because it was hit by lightning, of all things. So lightning hits it, destroys oh, the building. The main Story. mill. The main mill, yep. Oh, Jesus. That everybody in that area is dependent upon. Uh, so eventually, most of the residents would slowly move away. There's nothing for them there anymore, so they would just take off. A lot of them uh, would just leave. Uh, there's stuff there. You know, there's a, a lot of the houses... Uh, I remember growing up, definitely when you go through there at night, uh, it was really creepy because all these houses would be there and be just completely dark. And they would just, their front doors would just be open because I didn't oh. even close those. And you're slipping oh. inside into sheer darkness. Oh, the chills. I, I Oh, God. <laughs> uh, and I wanna, uh, we'll get into some more of that stuff here in a minute. Um, but, you know, the, uh, the community still tried to stay. You know, you're always going to get some people who, uh, you know, that's their home and they want to be there no matter what. So you had that, um, but they were really, really, uh, the population was really going down really fast. Uh, the last uh, known person to live there moved out in the early 2000s. Uh, what's another wild thing to know about this place is until uh, what I'm about to talk about, the village never, ever had any sort of running water system or sewer system. So none of these places had a bathroom or any of that stuff ever. Despite having a river right next to them, um, but what about today, right? Of course, Hunger Games really uh, helped the place. I mean, it. I mean, I, I promise you, after that movie dropped, 
you couldn't even get through that area anymore. Really? So many people coming to see it. Yeah, that's how big that movie was. It really upped uh, the area, which is probably good for the area. I mean, it's not like it's a a booming town. If it wasn't right, right. <laughs> uh, basically, um, the Henry River Mill Village kind of moves up the hill and becomes a town called Hildebrand now. Um, that's still kind of a small town, but it's got, you know, it's got the, yeah, it's got a, a, everything you need for a town though. It's a pretty nice place. That's, uh, got a grocery store and that type of things, but, um, Hey, what is about, the grocery store still open? I, that's the <laughs> first job. First job I ever had was in that grocery store. <laughs> that's the truth. Are you kidding me? Yep. Nope. <laughs> it was a Winn-Dixie, my friend. Oh, my what first. a great place. I love Winn-Dixie. Yeah, it's a food line now. Uh, but um, but what about it today? Just recently, I mean, within the past couple of years, uh, a new family actually bought the place. And uh, you can actually see this. It's been featured on the Travel Channel a couple of times. Uh, I actually watched an episode yesterday all about it. Uh, it was really fascinating to see this because, uh, you know, I've known this place my entire life, but I've never once gotten to go into one of these buildings. So it's just fascinating to just see a camera going into this place. This area that you've known your whole life is really weird to see the stuff on television. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, so they actually bought it and their intention is to slowly, it's going to take some time. Because I think there's at least, there's at least 12 buildings that are still 12 houses that are still standing. Okay. And there's the company store still standing. So they want to restore all that, right? They want to restore it. And they actually have at least one building completely restored. That looks incredibly nice. You can actually um, book a stay in it now. And it's a really nice area. And it's um, and, it, and it now has bathrooms, running water. I was going to ask if they modernized yeah. it a little bit. Yeah, they yeah. most certainly did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you don't have to worry about roughing it that bad. Uh, and it looks, it also looks really, really nice. This place even had, uh, like a when they were looking at the plans of the house there was a room that was boarded up and they didn't know why it's like a really small room come to find out that's where they hid the moonshine <laughs> oh no kid oh my yeah. god that is such a north carolina thing to say <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> uh, but their plan is to completely uh keep updating all the places and have people be able to come and stay and check it out they want to eventually redo the company's store um, they have tours like they have the the Hunger Games tour, of course. They just have a historical tour that you can take and learn all about the life back then. And they also, of course, do ghost tours mm. because the place also has a history of being haunted. I've never personally seen anything, but uh, just driving through the area at night is really creepy. Uh, it just gives off a creepy vibe because it's <sighs> uh, an abandoned place, uh, literally that's on the side of the road. Right. That you can't help but see. So, uh, but that is the Henry River Mill Village. Um, if you're listening to this, go to our Facebook page, Retro Pop, and tell us about some abandoned villages near you or something. I'm I'd be fascinated to learn about some that I don't. Oh, know. I want to learn. I I do. I I love learning about it. Or even in two, like it, any like as bad as it is, like environmental things, like yeah. like Love Canal was uh if if there is any because a lot of them aren't wide widely known and that's the most concerning thing like the most famous one is probably the three mile island like right. nuclear reactor one yeah and that's all you ever really hear about but you don't hear about a lot of some of these these you know love canal way you know places like love canal not not to the national level like you know 
you used to be able to. So, uh, yeah, tell us, we want to learn about this stuff. Um, you know, we do these shows, not just, I mean, not just we want to get things off our chest, but, um, in a sense to, to, to learn uh, a little bit as well. Yeah. Uh, Matt and I both love history. So, uh, so if you, if you know any places near you that you would love to tell us about, please, uh, tell us and send us a link and we'll read about it and all that kind of stuff. So hundred uh, percent, but that is Johnny's. Did you know, let's get into where love canal fits in, uh, today's pop culture. I lost a baby before it was even born. My next door neighbor has stillborn. Her, her son is sick. Her son is sick. How many more kids have to be sick? Some of the protesters use provocative tactics, such as burning effigies of Jimmy Carter, his wife, and daughter. Today, the Environmental Protection Agency announced... But things changed in the spring of 1980. The EPA had conducted a preliminary study that indicated that residents may have increased chromosomal abnormalities. But before the agency could confirm the findings or inform the residents, the study was... So I think I kind of already alluded to it. But uh, it's not in a good way. <laughs> uh, it's it's really not in a good way. I know there, that there are positives, though, I think that came from it. Right. Uh, there, oh, undoubtedly so. But it's, you know, it, the one thing about history that that people tend to forget about is that history does tend to repeat itself. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the, there's there has to be questions asked when when some of these things pop up. I mean. People legitimately had their homes built over 22,000 drums. That's a stat I forgot. I couldn't find 22,000 drums of chemicals that they had no idea about that they're, they, you know, again, they grew gardens and you know, they, they just lived lives casually over these things, mowed the grass and, you know, did like normally and you would have never known you, you would have never known, uh, you know, the, the chemicals were in there you know, in, in the, the the concrete that went into building the foundation of their homes, the wood, everything. And it was just around them and they had no idea. And, you know, it's one of those things, there's probably so many that are, that are undiscovered at this point in time. And it's really terrifying to, terrifying to think about that there are more love canals out there. There's, uh, you know, there's other places that are probably like this that have been undiscovered that people may be living over, um, and we, it, it, you may not find out until it's too late, but as far as pop culture stuff goes, you know, or it's pop culture, but just it's still in existence. Again, there's a lot of people who just do not know about this, this incident. There's people in like the city of Niagara Falls who, you know, they don't really know. Like my brother grew up, was born eight years after me. I don't think he really knows the magnitude of what Love Canal was and what was there. You know, and, and even the younger generation, the kids are being born now. Are they going to know what Love Canal was? Uh, if these stories, you know, these stories and this, you know, this, what it was, you know, if that information isn't passed down generation to generation. Yeah. I mean, obviously it was a horrible thing, uh, you know, for the area. But the positive I would say would be is like some laws did change for the better, that type of deal. Um, but, as far as pop culture, I think abandoned places in general have really popped up. And just look at all the YouTube sure. channels that are ju- that are just about people exploring these places, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Mysteries of the Abandoned, like I said, that's a show on Travel Channel that's been on for seasons and seasons now. So it's something that a lot of people, not just us, are fascinated by. 
Uh, you know, it's just these these ghost towns or these giant things that are, you know, these giant buildings or whatever or what have you that are just uh, left to the, you know, to the ages for whatever reason. And it's just fascinating to learn about those. And I think as time goes and as technology changes and we outgrow things, those things get left behind. And uh, so and to, to sit here and think that there won't be more abandoned towns for whatever reasons, um, you know, is, it's just not true. I mean, there's going to be more that get left behind. I mean, look at Detroit recently, right? Uh, poor Detroit used to be a really booming city, a yeah. big city. And because of um, the big, you know, the collapse of, of uh, manufacturing and cars and stuff, it's um, a shell of what it used to be. So uh, it can happen to anywhere. It doesn't matter how big you are. If it can happen to Detroit, it can happen to anywhere. Exactly. Um, and on top of that, I think it's just fascinating to learn where towns used to be. Uh, the In North Carolina, there's a lot of the lakes, I think, it might be all of them. I can't remember. A lot of the lakes are man-made and are actually flooded towns underneath them. <laughs> that They just flooded to put these lakes there. I've heard so, of that. There's a place in China that did that too. It's called like the for, Forbidden City, or, or there's some place that's like completely underwater. They put a reservoir over it, and it, you could do like scuba diving and go through it. Yeah, like normal. And that stuff is very, very interesting. Yeah, uh, and North Carolina's not the only state in the South to do it. Quite a few of them down here uh, have done similar things. Um, so uh, there's a lot of cities that you probably don't even know. Like you could be looking out on the lake and not realize that there was a town there. <laughs> That's you know, and it's insane. just underwater now. <laughs> That's insanity, but it's true. It's the facts. Um, so that does it for our Love Canal episode, everybody. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks with a little bit more. Uh, we haven't done this in a long time, but we're actually gonna do a history month. We haven't done a history episode since episode two when uh when I got to do my my man Napoleon Bonaparte. Uh loved that episode, but we have not done any history stuff since then. Uh this upcoming month, we are going to do history. Johnny gets first choice, first crack at uh, at at a history subject. Johnny, have you decided? I know you were talking about a couple different things, but have you officially decided what you want to do uh, to kick off history month? Uh, yes. Um, the one I used to work at this uh, this uh, this place, and for a trip one time, um, my first time ever getting on an airplane, I had to go to San Antonio. And uh, of course, being a history buff, I am. If I go to San Antonio, I have to check out the Alamo, right? And of course, I did. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about the the Alamo. We're going to discuss it, the history of it, um, the legends that it created. Uh, some legendary characters are there, uh, so we get to learn about them a little bit too. Uh, so I think it's going to be really fun to talk about the Alamo. Uh, remember the Alamo. That's no, that's a great that's a great one to do this with. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, that phrase is very quotable. Um, Alamo, everybody talks about the Alamo. It's been a long time since I've actually sat down and like deep dived the Alamo. And so I'm, yeah, this is a great choice uh, for history month. Very excited to talk about this one. Uh, but that puts a wrap on pop culture events. And yes, we are on to history. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you, Johnny, as always. Uh, for being there for me, uh, supporting and uh, listening to me banter and get all long winded. <laughs> I appreciate you. 
Oh, real quick. Yeah. Uh, if you love Star Wars, yes. May the 4th. That's when we're releasing this, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Wednesday, May the 4th. Wednesday, May the 4th. Star Wars Day. Uh, check out on wherever you get your podcast. Matt and I and our buddy Brian are bringing to you a fan podcast about Star Wars for Star Wars fans. Uh, it's the airing of The Grievances. Please check it out. We've already recorded it. I was very, very happy with it. Um, so uh, please check it out if you love Star Wars. I think you'll dig it. Absolutely. So, yes, go go check that out when it comes out. Yeah, Wednesday, May the 4th, it'll it'll be there. It should be available on our website, BICVP-radio.com, as well as all your favorite podcast streaming apps. But that does it for Johnny Townsend. That does it for myself. We'll talk to you next time right here on Retropop.